You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. from the UK. You are now listening to the legendary Hillbilly Horror Stories. You are in for a real treat. Enjoy. So first and foremost, what do you guys think of our new intro song? That is compliments of uh, a friend of ours, Tragic, from Soldier Entertainment up in Louisville. And uh, he wanted to do something for the show. We kind of put together some brainstorms on what to include. And uh, he's the artist of the bunch, so he put it all together. And I thought it turned out pretty damn good. What did you think, Trace? I thought it was really awesome. I was like already bopping my head. And... We kind of pre-played it for uh, our Patreon listeners since they get kind of get to hear things first. And we had uh, awesome reviews from them guys. So I'm kind of excited to unveil it tonight. And this was a special show. Uh, so I thought, what the hell, let's just go ahead and unveil it tonight. We were going to wait for a little bit, but... Yeah, thanks, Mike. It was awesome. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, awesome. All right, welcome, everyone, to episode 44 of Hillbilly Horror Stories, and we have a pretty darn good show for you tonight. I'm Jerry, and I'm joined by Tracy. What's up, my peeps? And we are excited for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, we have the girls on from And That's Why We Drink. Uh, they're like sisters to us, and they're going to be on at the end of the show. We've got a about a 35-minute conversation, and it's probably the most fun conversation we've had with any guests, so yeah. you guys will enjoy it. We had a lot of fun doing that. It's awesome. Now, I wanted to uh, first say that I think we've got two very interesting stories for you guys tonight. We're going to do one story on Al Capone and his ghost that haunted him. So this is almost kind of like a little bit of true crime mixed with some paranormal. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, uh, for you people in Florida, you probably know this story, but outside of Florida, you may not. It's the I-4 Florida Dead Zone. Pretty cool story. So we're going to tell you those two stories, and uh, then we'll let you hear the interview with the uh, M and Christine, from, and that's why we drink. So overall, I think you're going to be in for a good show. It's the dead zone where your phone goes dead? You ain't got no service? <laughs> no, that's pretty much anywhere you have Sprint coverage. Oh, okay. All righty then. <laughs> And that is true. Um, let's start off with some some uh, shout-outs. First of all, to all of our military all around the world, no matter what country you're fighting for or representing, and all of our civil servants, and that includes police, fire department, EMS. Thank all of you guys. God bless you all very much. 
Let's give a shout-out to our new Patreon supporters. These are the ones that joined since the last show. Donna Smith, Michelle Sanders, Brian Pierce, Stephanie, I hope I don't mispronounce this, Menzies, and Katie Bumgarner. We appreciate all of you guys for financially supporting the show as well as listening and supporting the show. Thank you so much. Uh, New iTunes reviews. Tressa, 5020, Todd M., uh, it's either K. Urban, 1983, or Kerbin. It could be Keith Urban, except it's spelled different, so it's not what it is. <laughs> Kevin Cummings. Uh, we've got Pisces Moon Dream. That's a unique one. I like that. And Doxy Diva. Ooh, I like that, too. Yep. Thank you guys so much. Those Thank were awesome reviews. Um, let's see. Let's just jump into the story. We'll first talk about the Florida Dead Zone. This is going to take place in Sanford, Florida, which is kind of in the Orlando uh, area. It's going to be a stretch of Interstate 4. It's about a quarter of a mile stretch. And uh, it was built on some land that was initially called the Field of the Dead. It was passed down for generations. And uh, as far as, you know, the stories that go along here, when the land was also passed down, it's a rich subtropical swampland before it was a highway, obviously. No one really lived in Florida uh, back until like the 1850s, uh, mainly because there was too many swamps and really bad weather patterns. And it's for those of you who don't know and live outside the area, it's the most um, humid place in America. So it's kind of hot and sweaty. There is, you know, hot and sweaty balls, sweaty balls. Nice. Um, <laughs> you said sweaty. I did. It's the only thing I could think of. They have thunderstorms almost every single day for about a six or seven month stretch. Oh my gosh, no way. Well, I mean, it's just like kind of like when we lived in the islands. I mean, it's just like a little bit, but they, oh, at some but you point know, not time, like a whole full right, day. Yeah, oh, it's okay. not, not all day long. Uh, so in 1985, Henry Sanford, who the town's named after, he had a vision that. That Sanford could be the hub of, of you know trade in Florida because it's kind of right in the middle, but it's also got the St. John's, uh, which is the biggest river, right there. Uh, so he bought twelve thousand acres right on Lake Monroe, and then he turned to the Catholic Church to try to get people there. I guess just you know saying, hey, we got some place here. Mm-hmm. Do you have any way you can you know maybe send some people? Let them know, spread the word. Mm-hmm. So we had German uh, four families of German immigrants. Uh, they came there because they wanted to have like a religious-based farm. So that's what they did. And they found out pretty quick it's really hard to turn swampland into farmland. Well, I guess so. The heat and humidity was horrible there. Um, the water really didn't move. Even the St. John's River really doesn't have much of a flow to it. It almost looks like it's sitting still. I wonder if they had a bunch of mosquitoes. That's exactly what they had. Uh, it was perfect for mosquitoes. And it's much like when we did the story of uh, the gray man in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get an area at this time of, of the um, uh, time period in, in our country, there wasn't a lot of medicine. There was a lot of disease and stuff, and mosquitoes were huge on that. Mm-hmm. So what happened was there was a big, huge yellow fever outbreak. Now, yellow fever is a viral disease, so it's not transmittable, you know, person to person. It can only be... Um, basically transferred to a human through an animal or an insect. Wow, that's so, so. sad. Ooh. And they had this big outbreak. Uh, unfortunately, it took the lives of a whole family. It was a Aww. man, his wife, and the two children that they had. So when the family died, the whole community went into a panic because they don't know anything about yellow fever back then. Mm-hmm. They don't know how it spread. 
So they quickly buried the bodies. They put up four markers, and then they pretty much got the hell out of there because they were afraid they were like, going to catch it. Like everybody? No, I mean, they just got away from oh, the from graves the, and stuff. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought yeah. you meant, like, get the hell out of town. Now, actually, the town was on quarantine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they wouldn't let anybody in or anybody out because mm-hmm. back then they didn't know that this wasn't a contagious disease. Yeah. You know, obviously, with a whole family dying, you're just going to assume that's what it is. Now, the Sanford colony never really became what uh, Mr. Sanford thought it was going to be because of this tragedy and outbreak of, of yellow mm-hmm. fever. So let's talk about the graves a little bit. The four unmarked graves were basically undisturbed for 18 years. In 1905, Albert Hawkins bought the land, and he wanted to use the land for farming, of course. Now, he respected the the graves there because they had the markers up. So what he did was he kind of put up a fence all the way around it, and he just wouldn't let anybody get near it. I mean, he respected their final resting place, and... He thought that that's the way it should have been handled. Well, good for him. Now, obviously, this is where it became known as the Field of the Dead. It was back in these days. Because I said it was previously, it was it was known for that. Now, in the 50s and the 60s, the tourism increased in Florida. Florida, like I said, it's it's everybody thinks of it now as a tourism destination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that way until the 50s and 60s. So what they wanted to do was they had to find a way from people to get to the east coast, to the west coast of Florida, uh, an easier way. And Orlando was just now starting to kind of become a place. And they built. They decided that they could build the I-4, which would take people straight across the central part of Florida. The problem was they designed it to go straight over top. Oh, no, the graves. Straight over top <gasps> of the graves. Oh, no. And in order for them to complete this, one of two things was going to have to happen. They were either going to have to move the graves, which would have been the proper thing to do, or they were going to have to just throw dirt right over top of it and just construct right over top of them. Well, why can't they just make a curve, a big curve right there? It's because you can't always just make a curve when you're looking at ramps. You have, you know, and it's a bridge that had to go right there in that area. It should have been a roundabout. Well, you can't do a roundabout on a straightaway freeway. Maybe you're confused. (laughs) I guess you can't. how freeways work. Oh, I know. That's yeah, just go, terrible. If you have a roundabout, you're just going to go in circles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Any part, that wouldn't work. Never mind. I love you. Still my deal. Anyways, so what happened was they decided to take the, the cheaper way out and just build and throw dirt right over top of it. Now, this is where it gets kind of funny. 1960, the day the construction started, the very first day, Hurricane Donna switched courses now it had went down like through cuba and it looked like it was going to hit one part mm-hmm. and it completely switched course and went straight over top of sanford no straight over top of the dead zone and the weird weather patterns always happen right around that area that's what people say so it's not unusual for this to happen now it was unusual for a hurricane to come through yeah because in this hurricane more than 50 people died mm. And, you know, most most hurricanes, the velocity uh, is nowhere near what this one was. I mean, when it hits, like when most hurricanes, when they hit land, mm-hmm. it's it kind of calms it down. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like right before it hits land, yeah. it might be 160 mile an hour winds or something. But when it hits land, it'll tone down to like 115 or 120. Yeah. Not this one. 
This oh. one, when it hit land, it almost picked up speed. Oh, it says in your face. Yeah, so it's not something that normally would take place, but that's what happened with this one. Uh, and like I said, more than 50 people died. So this was a very, at the time, Hurricane Donna was probably the worst hurricane to hit oh. Florida. I'm and it sorry. just so happened the first day and hit yeah. right when they were doing this construction. Well, see, that's what they get for trying to be cheap. <laughs> you should have just made a big-ass curve and been done with it. So now we're going to fast forward to 2004. They decide that they need to do some new construction right there in the dead zone in the same spot. Uh, they needed to do an approach ramp. What's well, it? Is a what? I'm sorry. An approach ramp. You know, like an on-ramp. Okay. Oh, why don't you just say an on-ramp? Because it said approach ramp in the research I did. Oh. Don't criticize me. I wouldn't know what approach ramp is. Well, you would if you just finished listening to the story. Well, I got to learn as I go. Anyways. This is August 13th. Guess which day of the week that was. Oh, Friday. Oh, Friday. Right? I just guessed. Sure. Was it? it was a Friday? Yes, Friday the 13th. Bam. So they're building this new construction uh, the first day of it. Guess what happens? A tornado come. No. Oh. Hurricane Charlie hit the dead zone. Oh, my It gosh. veered off course again. It you was supposed to hit like me. on the other side of Florida in the Gulf and instead... It veered over 125 mile per hour winds in three hours, followed the I-4 track, just like Donna did. Most of the damage was in a 10-mile stretch uh, that was right there in the dead zone. It was the second most expensive hurricane ever. It did $15 billion worth of damage Holy crap. in a 10-mile stretch for the most part. Okay, I'm sorry, and you're going to yell at me probably. When... How, when was the time frame between Donna and Charlie? Donna was in the 60s. Yeah. 2004. Okay. So nobody tried to do anything, I guess, in between all that time then? Well, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, once it's there, it's there. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and they they really don't even know 100% where the graves are at this point. Oh. You know, I mean, there's people that say they think they know about where it is, but. Aww. So let's talk about some incidents. Um. July 1st, 1996, a guy named Tony Santiago, he worked at one of the theme parks. And uh, he moved to Florida when he was 18 because he used to go as when they were uh, kids in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's where he's originally from. His family had come there on vacation. And he thought, man, this is just a cool-ass place. So as soon as he turned 18, he moved there. Like I said, he's working at one of the theme parks. He got off late one night, and he decided that he was going to go to the beach. Now, I-4 would take you there. So that was you know where you would obviously get on. And um, he's been there... He's taken that road several times with with no incidents whatsoever. Well, what happened this time, though, is a little bit different. He gets on the I-4, and he gets right to the area where most of this stuff happens, you know, where people see visions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he was he was the only car. The radio just went out. He sees a flash, and then he sees a small glowing figure that was moving like a child, kind of run in front of him mm-hmm. then he sees a second figure but he could make out more features on this one he could tell it was a woman he slams on his brakes you know it's a little bit foggy and out there at this time yeah he slams on his brakes gets out nothing there Man. nothing there he looks all over the place because he wants to make sure obviously that he, he didn't, didn't hit, hit somebody something. yeah so yeah that was one of, one of the incidents that's the kind of things that happen now let's talk about we're going to go back a little bit in the 40s According to the legend, there was a boy named Hardy. 
Now, Hardy was being very disrespectful to the Graves. Because keep in mind, the guy who had uh, owned the property before the farmer, he taught everybody to be respectful. And, and his grandkids and stuff said he can remember him preaching to them, basically, that you respect Graves and right. you don't ever play in there. Well, this kid was was playing in the, in the fenced-in area that was made to keep him out. He was kicking the, the markers, like the cross markers, yeah. wooden cross markers. He's kicking on them. He's just being a little jerk. His name was Hardy Jackson Hodge. And the very next day, he's walking on, on uh, just a gravel road, mm-hmm. and he gets hit by a truck. It's a hit-and-run situation. And it actually kills him. Man. And to this day, that murder is still unsolved because they never found the driver of the vehicle. This happened 50 yards from the cemetery plot. Oh, gosh. So it's 50 yards from the gravesite the very next day after he was being disrespectful. See, people need not to play. Why do they do that? have no idea. Oh, my gosh. What a brat. And then now that happens and... There's right after they opened the right after they opened the the freeway right there, a semi jackknifed right at the gravesite, and it back and it back traffic all the way up. In terms of fatal, this is kind of interesting. In terms of fatal accidents per mile, I, the I four dead zone stretch of highway is the deadliest in America. They average over two thousand wrecks. There from the time that it was out. Oh, wow. Now, see, I prefer it just be the dead zone for the sprint. That's terrible. So, I mean, that's pretty, when you think about, you know, over 2,000 accidents yeah. in the time uh-huh. that it's been open in that little stretch, it's yeah. pretty amazing. That is amazing. You will, people there will have wrecks on a regular basis and they will see apparitions, which actually cause the wreck. That's, they'll swerve to avoid it. Uh, there was one incident in the 90s. This is actually one of the coolest stories. Susan Thompson. It's the early 90s, July 28, 1994. She went to see a friend, uh, and as she approached the bridge right there, she heard hissing sound coming from her car. It kind of sputtered, and it died. She was in a panic, obviously, because we told you how hot it is here in Florida, especially in July. Mm-hmm. And she's walking. She's sweating her ass off, and a semi-truck pulls up. Well, she didn't really pay attention, but the, the guy opens you know, the door for her, and she said she normally wouldn't accept a ride, but the guy seemed kind. And, and he looked at her, and he said, Susie? And she said, yeah. And he held out a hand and put her in. It didn't dawn on her until after the fact that she he knew her name. Yeah, how the heck did he know that name? Yeah, so she didn't even think about it. So she thanks him. They, pull, they go up, and they get off at the nearest truck stop or gas station. And she gets out of the vehicle. She walks, you know, five, six, seven steps. And she decides she's going to turn around to say thank you again. And when she does, the vehicle's gone. So she starts asking the people that are like right there, you know, hey, did you see a, a truck? And, you know, you got smart ass people that are like, oh, we see trucks all the time. It's a truck stop. She's like, no, did you see the <laughs> truck I just got out of? And, you know, they're like, no, we didn't see anybody. They don't even know where she came from. Oh, my Lord. How do you get transported in a ghost truck? I don't know. Oh, my so, gosh. But that is the story on the I 4. Dead zone. Well, that's really interesting. Um, I don't want to go there, I don't think. No, I want to go there, just for that purpose. Why? Because I do. You might die or something. No, stop it. What if you did? 
well, then you'd be trying to do this podcast by yourself, which we both know how that would go. It'd just be you on a microphone for an hour saying the parts you would normally say without any story. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. You're that. You'd have, you have an hour and a half of that. <laughs> oh, big, you are so hateful. A big empty spot with nothing there, and then you just say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're embarrassing me. Stop this. <laughs> You're such a turd. I wanted to say, uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about real quick, um, because once again, we want to thank all you Patreon supporters and <laughs> stop it. I'm trying to be serious. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to thank all the Patreon supporters. I really need to have some Sarah McLaughlin paint in the background or something. Some soft piano. In the arms of the angel. Maybe a little more on key, but. Other than that, that would be perfect. In but other- the arms <laughs> of the angel. Are you done? This is not that America's better, Got right? Talent. This is our podcast. So I want to thank all the pod or the. Uh, damn it! Why are I you cursing? Thank- I guess because we got we got the girls from, and that's why we drank on. I can't help it. That's just <laughs> they didn't. Cuss. It just they rubs off. Um, now can we get back to it? Yes. I want to thank all you Patreon supporters <laughs> and. <laughs> I gotta make up time somewhere. And what you guys get, obviously, is you get bonus episodes. Uh, first of all, if you're not a Patreon supporter and you would like to be, just go to our website. It's under the Patreon slash donate page. And um, you can be a Patreon supporter. And what happens, as long as you donate at least $3 a month, you get one of our listeners' episode, which we did on the first of the month. We'll do it the first of every month. And if you donate $5, you get that one as well as another bonus episode where it's going to be pretty much the same as a regular show. You just get an extra two shows a month. So instead of four, you get six. Now, that's what we're going to do on this first bonus episode, which comes out Thursday. So you got plenty of time to jump in there if you want to get this one. We're going to mix up a little bit of true crime, and we're going to mix in some paranormal. And then so, Jerry's going to think of some more insulting things to say to me. <laughs> so... Well, I've already got a list. There's nothing to think about. Um, (laughs) You said. (laughs) So what we're going to do on this bonus episode coming up, we're going to do a, um, on the true crime side, Gordon Northcott, which was the, uh, the wind or the Wineville chicken coop murder. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. People lost their lives and you're laughing at it. In a chicken coop. Well, for the... For those of you who watch American Horror Story, I'm going to let you in on a little tip. Aww. On on the very on on the uh, American Horror Story Hotel, there was the maid that, that helped out um, Patrick March. He was she was his uh, servant that was always cleaning the sheets and stuff like that. There's an episode where they talk about how she lost her son. How it was Halloween, a stranger picked her son up. And then uh, she went to eventually find out that they were at this little chicken farm and her son was apparently dead and they couldn't find his body. That was actually based, that part was based on this story. This actually happened in the 30s and it was a guy who ran a chicken ranch. And he had, he was actually abducting and locking people up in a chicken coop and killing them. But we're going to tell you the whole story on that. Remember on Friday... When, what's his name, smoked that bad weed, and they put him in a chicken coop, and he's like, walk, like, acting like a chicken, he thought it was a chicken. Yeah, that's exactly the same as what we were talking about. You know, not everybody loves that movie like you do. That's the best movie ever. 
The second second story we're going to do is called uh, Round Cypress Head. It's a. Uh, <laughs> I know that sounds dirty. I so, can't even deal with you. <laughs> so Round Cypress Head is actually a. Uh, it's down in in, uh, in Florida, and it's a little stretch of uh, kind of a hard to get to part of the uh, um, the coast. And there's supposed to be a demon that's been haunting that place since the twenties, or since the twenties, the twentieth. <laughs> Since the twenties, damn it! We're having a hard time today, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> then we're going to talk about the um, Wabasha Street Caves in Minnesota, and that's actually Julie Carlson actually gave me that idea like three months ago, and I kept trying to find a place to put it, find a place to put it, and this is the exact one. But the Wabasha Street Caves has a fascinating story, and it's a mixture of true crime and paranormal. Oh, so, cool! That's yeah, be but fun. it's actually a, a cave that all the gangsters used to. Uh, hang out in the uh, prohibition it was a nightclub mm-hmm. and then uh, there was some murders that took place and some ghosts and stuff that hang out there but pretty cool so mm-hmm. it's going to be a mixture of of the uh paranormal and true crime all the way around so that's what we got made up for you that comes out on the 15th which will be this coming thursday so be looking for it in your feed on that note let's talk about some more gangsters are we ready to talk about al capone well yeah Al Capone. You know what would have made Al Capone happy? What? A Hillbilly Horror Story t-shirt, which you can also get (laughs) on our website. (laughs) So, anyways. Okay. Al Capone, I don't know how much people outside of the country will know about Al Capone, uh, but he was the most powerful mob boss back in his day. He was one of the most recognizable names in American history, so... Uh, like I said, anybody in America can pretty much tell you, at least they've heard of Al Capone. He practically owned Chicago back in the 20s. He had over a 1,000 gunmen. He had paid off every politician and was the head of a crime empire that was worth $30 million at the age of 26. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. He had over 100 people. Get this number. Keep in mind, this is back in the 20s, okay? He had over a, he had right at 100 people on his payroll that the weekly salary combined was $300,000. Dang. So let's do the math on it real quick, Tracy. How We're much, in the wrong business. If, Tracy, if you had 100 people making $300,000 total, how much does each one make? <laughs> I don't know. $30 million. Okay, think about this again. $30,000. You, you, you have 100 people. Yeah. $300,000 total. $300,000. Yeah. Is that How, right? No. no. You, have, you got 300000 total split amongst 100 people. How much does each person make a week? Thirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, $1,000. $1,000? Well, what the heck? $3,000. I did I say that? I thought I said 3000 I don't think you did. Mm. Now you made me embarrassed because I don't know how to add. Okay. All right. So his his secret to success. Oh, I did so say $3,000. Well, if you did, you did. Okay. But his secret to, to success was he pretty much wanted to focus on activities that had a strong demand from the public. Liquor, gambling, and prostitution. They all sound fun to me. Yeah. Well, liquor in the front, poker in the back. Ooh. <laughs> now, of course... Not everybody loved Al Capone. He was well, hated by a lot of people. I'm sure he was. Especially his rivals, because you know you have rival gangs, mm-hmm. uh, mobsters. There were 
several attempts to assassinate him. In 1926 was one of the big ones. The O'Banions, they sent a fleet of cars loaded with uh, machine guns to the Lexington Hotel, which is where he, Al Capone had his headquarters at. They poured over a thousand rounds into the building, but Al Capone escaped, so it wasn't an issue. Well, there are some bad shots. Yeah. But then what does he do? Capone decides that he's going to order the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. He didn't call it that. They called it that after the fact. Mm -hmm. That would have been probably festive, though. Hey, guys, got a plan for you. Do you got your hearts? (laughs) But but it happened on St. Valentine's Day, which is February 14th, which is why it's called that. Now, what happened was he wanted to get rid of his rival, um, Bugs Moran. And he sends his group on there, and they killed several people. Mm-hmm. I don't have the exact total, but there, there were several people killed there. This was kind of the last straw for uh, uh, the public. They were tired of all yeah. this anyway, but this was like, man, this is this has got to stop. And most of this was coming from the bootleg wars, because dur- this was during the time of Prohibition. And once again, for you uh, peeps outside of the United States, back in the 20s leading into the 30s, there was a stretch where the United States thought, hey, you know what would be a cool idea? We'll just outlaw liquor. Yeah, how dumb is that? It's illegal. So what happened was the mob bosses pretty much got rich because they did nothing but have their own stills. Make and, some moonshine. Yeah, they were making moonshine, and they were running it across borders, and they were paying people good money for it. And that's how it worked. Well, that that caused all these different rival um, bootleggers slash mob bosses um, to, to have all these wars with each other, and that's what you had going on right now, so... Eventually, the United States wised up and they fixed that problem. And then mm-hmm. once they fixed it, that they most said, of that went away. Liquor for everybody. Yeah. Now, some of you will know a show, uh, and if you're older, uh, a show called The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. Elliot Ness uh, was a group from um, um, Washington, D.C. that was sent there and his group of Untouchables to fix this problem in Chicago. And that's what they did. Now, it's funny because... Al Capone was responsible for the murder of over 500 people. That is ridiculous. He broke all the prohibition laws, but what did he actually go to jail for? What did they bust him on? Do you know? Making moonshine? No. What? No, they busted him for tax evasion. Oh, seriously? That's what they eventually arrested him on. Okay, because this world's stupid. That's what you're going to arrest him on. (laughs) So... They sent him to a, a prison in Atlanta and sentenced him for to 11 years. In 1934, he was transferred to Alcatraz. Now, Alcatraz was a place where they believed in hard punishment. It was super hard, super strict, and there were no privileges. And it's nothing like today's prison. No, absolutely not. It's what it should be. But uh, it should be. You're exactly right. Now, one of the most effective and actually one of the cruelest ways of punishment at the same time was to put people in the hole. Now, what they did back then, they actually had a very small, almost dungeon-like quarters that were just barely big enough for somebody to stand up in. Oh, wow. And it was dark. There was no windows. Uh, and not only did you get to stay there for a while, but they would beat you. So yeah. that was just part of it. Uh, so... Al Capone during these times, and he, and he granted he had three stretches where he stayed in the hole, 
and he was severely beaten each time. So how long do you have to stay in the hole? It, it just, just depends? It just depends. It just depends. But, now, you know, I think I would like solitary confinement. That way you don't have to worry about somebody having their way with you. I mean, you'd be by yourself. But, but they'd beat you the whole time you were in there. Oh, they just don't leave you be? No, No, I'm don't. talking about today. Oh, yeah, today. That's just like uh, Charles Manson has. He's been in solitary confinement basically since he's been in there. But Capone spent three stretches in there over over the whole time he was there. But the, what you got to realize is why he spent his time there. In the first years of Alcatraz, they were known as the silent years because prisoners were not allowed to talk to each other. They couldn't sing, couldn't even whistle. Silence. The only time you were allowed to talk was three minutes in the morning and in the afternoon during your recreation period. So you basically had six minutes to talk. And then they were really nice, though, because on the weekend, they would give you two hours. So you got two hours on the weekend. I would never survive in there. (laughs) So Capone spent two of his times in the hole because he didn't think that that applied to him. (laughs) He's so used to having everything his way and everybody just bowing to him. And uh, the other time... Is for trying to bribe a guard. <laughs> so he obviously didn't know him. Now, what eventually happened is these trips probably broke him. Yeah. They was, that was how bad these trips were. I mean, when you when you hear about it, you're like, oh, he probably spent a couple of days here. These trips in that hole with the beatings and the isolation, mm-hmm. they, they took a toll on him. And uh, many in the Alcatraz, as far as prisoner-wise, they went insane. And Capone was probably one of them. Because after several attempts on his life of beatings that he took, he got stabbed one time. And along with just the the general prison routine, I mean, you could imagine how -hmm. somebody who's used to being king of the world, how that could just totally screw their psyche up. Oh, I'm sure. After five years, he kind of snapped and would uh, sometimes he would refuse to leave his cell to eat. He uh, would just kind of crouch in the corner sometimes and just start talking to himself, whispering. And then he would, some of the some of the uh, cellmates said that he would just stay in his room and just remake his bunk over and over and over again. That's kind of funny. They don't allow you to talk in there, but they did allow you, and they couldn't, you couldn't get stuff from the outside except mm-hmm. musical instruments. They would let you have musical instruments. So his wife brought him a banjo. And he would sit and just play in his cell sometimes while people outside the cell would listen. Yeah. So you know, I mean, in a in a way, I almost I, I feel bad for him if it was just because of the tax evasion, because that's pretty harsh punishment. But I can't feel bad for him when you had five hundred people killed. Well, they they could couldn't find the real reason to arrest him. They couldn't find the proof for the five hundred. Yeah. So he, they had to get him on whatever. Yeah, man. They had. That's now, terrible. He spent the last part of his life being treated for syphilis, and or the last not the last part of his life, but the last part of his time at Alcatraz, in basically the the nursing area being treated for syphilis. He had had that from carried it from years before, and it just got to the point where mm-hmm. you know it was a problem. He left Alcatraz in 1939, and it's funny because uh, there was a guy named Jake Greasy Thumb Guzik. Mm-hmm. What a good name! He was kind of running the mob while while. Uh, mm-hmm. He was out, and a reporter actually asked him. I like how these reporters just go talk to the mob like it's yeah, like like they're the head of GE or something, <laughs> Ford. And uh, he asked him, he said, you know, now that Capone's getting out, is he going to be back to running the mob? And this this guy, Jake, said, 
he basically looked and he said, man, he said, Al's nuttier than a fruitcake. <laughs> so he would not be taken back over. Well, so then how, how long was Al, how long was he out of prison before he passed? Um, I mean, did he have very many more years? Yeah, I mean, he got out in 39, and he died in the, in the 40, 48 or something. He was out about nine years. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that part. But Al retired to uh, uh, Florida, nice little mansion in Miami. And he spent the next eight years kind of just drifting in between sanity and oh my God. not being you know, sane. And That's a some, horrible life to live. Well, some people say that a ghost kind of drove him insane. And then some people say that his early senility is what created the ghost, that there was no ghost. So what am I talking about? Capone killed most of his enemies, <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, he couldn't get rid of one of the spirits, though. The ghost of Jim, Jimmy Clark, or James Clark, but Jimmy's how he would always refer to him. He was the brother-in-law of Bugs Moran. Remember the guy from mm-hmm. the St. Valentine's Day Massacre? He was the brother-in-law, but he was also a victim there. And Capone said that Jimmy hounded him from 1929 till he died. Wow. Now, many times Capone's employees would hear him begging Jimmy to leave him alone. Now, this was before he even went to prison. On several occasions, bodyguards would break down doors and get into the rooms thinking, you know, somebody's gotten to Capone. And then Capone would explain to them that it was the ghost of Jimmy. So was Jimmy created out of guilt? You know, is he responsible? You know, I guess you think about it like, I mean, could it be guilt? Because he was responsible for the death of over 500 people. Right. But then why just one ghost? Mm -hmm. Why is Jimmy representing everybody? In 1931, he contacted a, um, a psychic by the name of Alice Britt. Because he wanted to get rid of the ghost. So she came in and actually did some um, ceremonies and stuff, some rituals to try to eliminate it. And this was years before his syphilis. So for people to say, you know, oh, well, he just went batshit crazy and that's where all this stuff's coming from. This was before he was having any of these issues of going crazy. This was before he went to jail. Capone died uh, 1947, January 25th, of bronchial pneumonia and a brain hemorrhage in Florida. He was buried in Chicago, Mount Olivet Cemetery. He was secretly moved to uh, Mount Carmel. Not really sure why, but he was. Because they they end up putting the headstone up. The headstone's still there. But he's not there. No. Well, no, he's there. Oh. He's there. So, I mean, they weren't trying to hide it. His real name, actually, is Alphonse Capone. Yeah. I have a cousin named Alphonse. They're probably related. I swear. Now... Jaime Cornish. Now, what kind of hell of a name is that? <laughs> it's a mobster name. Jaime Cornish. Oh, that is not no mobster name. Jaime Cornish. I just thought this was interesting anyway, because everybody seems to take think Capone was a nut and he made this up. But Jaime went in um, to take a look around in Capone's office. Now, this is while Capone was still alive. He was alive. in prison? Or no, was that's he... why he was still alive and, and there. Uh-huh. He went into his office, and there was somebody standing by the window looking out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you're not supposed to be in here. So he takes a look around to see if there's anybody else in there. And when he looked back to the window, there was nobody ah. there. So for all those saying that there was no ghost, Jaime may have actually saw this ghost as well. 
And you think it was Jimmy? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't there. <laughs> I can't vouch for Jaime. <laughs> I just wanted to know if it was Jimmy, though, for real. Well, I mean, I guess everything is up for debate as to what everybody believes. But Man. if you're asking me what I believe, I think it was probably Jimmy. Why would why would Capone just constantly single this guy out? Yeah. I mean, there were even reports that in prison that he would start screaming like in the middle of the night and guards and stuff would go down there and he yeah. was saying it was Jimmy. So this happened before he went to prison. While he was in prison and after he was in prison, mm-hmm. and, then, and you know, like I was saying earlier, I just I find it hard to believe you can kill five hundred people, and then but just one ghost and that one particular all the time. Mm-hmm. You would think if it was a mental thing that there would be several different people. Well, because you know all these rivals, you well, know maybe you it was his conscience because you said that Jimmy was his buddy, right? Though, and he just accidentally got killed, right? No, I don't know where you got that. That was nowhere in the story. I thought you said it was an accident. <laughs> well, not an accident. He just got killed in the mix of all of it. No. The hell am I doing? I have no idea. I just made up an old story no, in my. I, said, I swear, I thought I said, you said that. I said Bugs Moran, who was his rival, yeah. who he was trying to kill. It was his brother-in-law, and he was killed at that same massacre. Okay. He's close, though. Uh, well, I, close, I tried, though. folks. Y'all probably like my story better anyway. Either way. If you don't, you know, it's like the Amityville Horror. If it didn't really happen, just make something up. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was a, that's a, that was a good story. See? I like that. And I you, did like that. And and just so you'll know, that story is kind of like the Wabasha Street mm-hmm. uh, cave story that we're going to tell uh, on the bonus episode coming up Thursday. So no, you still I can't got, wait. I can't wait for that. you still got time to become a... Uh, $5 supporter or a $10 supporter and get that show. Uh, that was pretty much the end of what we got for regular show. Now we've got uh, the girls getting ready to come up for, and that's why we drink next week's show uh, is actually a pretty cool story. I think everybody will like, and I've forgotten what it is. So get us have to tune in and we'll listen to it. Damn rubbing off on you. <laughs> I do. So and look, and I know y'all probably don't, I, I put down a schedule of like the next six weeks of shows and then I get so caught up in what we're doing right this second that I don't even look at next week's show, so I forget. But it's, it's okay, honey. It's a good story, though. Yeah, I can promise you that. It's I do, always I do, a good story. I do nothing but look for great stories for you guys. So yeah. I promise you, you'll always have a good story. And in case we haven't said it, we love you guys. We do, and we are coming. Uh, up on the end of all of our listener intros like you hear at the beginning you know hey this is so and so from wherever i am and you're listening to hillbilly horror stories if you want to send us some of those we can use them uh, we're down to the last three or four uh it's just send them to the email jerrypolly at aol.com so you can record it right on your phone and do that or if you send us a message on messenger i don't think you can do it on the page messenger i think you'd have to be a friend but if you're a facebook friend of ours uh, like tim mays who hasn't sent us one yet? If you want to send one, you can. So there's a little Come on, Tim, again. get with it. But yeah, if you're if you're a Facebook friend of ours, Julie Carlson, Julie Bernard, all of you guys that are Facebook friends, send it to us. You can do it in Messenger. Just got to hold down the little mic uh, on the app and uh, say it, and then let it go, and it comes right to us. So you know what I discovered today that Dakota showed me on Snapchat. Because I'm all about taking those stupid pictures. Yeah. But I didn't know if you holded the button. Hold it. If you held the <laughs> button down, you can like. Record all that. I don't know why I didn't know that. What, record video? Yes. Well, how do you think all these people were sending video on Snapchat? I thought it just happened. Oh, no. I'm not even thinking of Snapchat. I'm thinking Instagram. Yeah. I don't even know anything about Instagram. Yeah, I don't know anything about Snapchat. Except oh, you keep sending even. me an overabundance of pictures. But they're so fun. And they're so cute. Yeah. 
Okay. Thank you, guys. I hope you enjoy the uh, interview coming up. If you haven't listened to And That's Why We Drink, I got a feeling after you hear this, you're probably going to go subscribe because they're fun as hell. They are fun. I'm telling you, they'll keep you laughing. That's for sure. Guys, thank you so much for listening to us and spending a little bit of your time with us, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good week. Love one another. Okay, guys, welcome back, and uh, we've got special guests. We've been talking about this for several weeks now, uh, even though they never really gave me a commitment until like three days ago. <laughs> but we've got M and Christine from what has quickly become one of, one of our, Tracy and I's, favorite podcasts, and that's why we drink. And guys, I can't explain how happy I am to finally have you guys on board because I look at you as like my little sisters. Oh, my gosh. And That's I can't, very sweet of you. Oh, yeah. And I can't tell you how many times, like, we're, like, just laying in bed listening to you guys. And we'll just, like, bust a gut. I mean, we'll just, like, bust out <laughs> laughing. <laughs> it's well, awesome. I mean, there's nothing else happening in our bedroom, so we might as well just listen to you guys. <laughs> well, I'm glad we bring you joy. Because, <laughs> honestly, when we started this, we didn't think we would have anyone listening to us. So to hear that's really, really nice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's When we started, you guys were the ones that we first kind of got advice from and you guys are the ones who are kind of leading us in the beginning so it's kind of cool to actually be on your show now and talk to you in person it's it's funny because <laughs> you know I, I i listened to the very first episode i think that's about the time when we first started listening because we hooked up by accident on twitter and just listening to the first episode it, and then every episode after that it, it's cool to be able to hear the involvement of the show because it mm-hmm. definitely has evolved and I know you say we gave you advice, but the reality of it is uh, you already had two or three shows in the can from any advice I'd give you. You'd already corrected anything that I would have corrected. And, you know, I think you guys have a perfect setup. Uh, The banter between you guys is what makes the show. And I think if we go back to the very beginning when I talked to Christine the first time, I think I might have even said that you guys probably talked a little too much in the beginning before you got into the topics. Yes. (laughs) But after looking at that, and I'm not afraid to admit I was wrong, I was wrong. I mean, the the reality of it is that's what makes the show. Yeah, absolutely. And this is not an insult by any by any means. But no, we're we're very aware that we talk a lot. It's it's, (laughs) this is not the first time we've had to struggle with this. (laughs) This is great. But I, you know, the to me, the show doesn't even matter as much what topics you're talking about that day. It's. I just like to listen to you guys talk and laugh and giggle oh and cut gosh. up. Yeah, it's so awesome. I mean, it, the story is secondary to me. You know, to the to the you know just conversations you guys have. And I would have initially thought that wouldn't have been the case, but in reality, what I thought was a criticism was was actually the strong point of the show. So congrats on that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Aww. That is a huge compliment. I taught Christine everything she knows, so. Well, <laughs> M, it's all thanks to M. <laughs> no. so, yeah, you guys, we, we, I mean, it's so funny listening to you guys in the beginning. And, I mean, like I said, it cracks me up all the time. And then to get into guy, you guys telling the story, it's just, I don't know, it's just so much fun to listen to you all. Oh, thank you. You guys, it's just obviously the same back at you guys. Well, thank you. Well, tell me how all this came about. I mean, you guys are in L.A., uh, one of you are from Virginia. One of them is from Ohio. How did you guys hook up in L.A.? Did you know each other beforehand, or is this something after you moved out there you've met each other? Uh, well, we uh, actually went to grad school together in Boston, and we didn't really know each other very well in Boston. We just were classmates. And then uh, our program sent us out to L.A. for the last semester. We were in a, a television program, 
So in this, it was a semester where you spent in LA and saw if you could try and get internships and things like that. And when we lived out here, we, there was only a few people we knew when we moved to the other side of the country. So we kind of banded together and <laughs> that was when Christine got geo first of all. <laughs> and uh, second of all, that was when her and I started hanging out and we started talking about, uh, I don't know how, but we started talking about ghosts. And oh, just immediately. We were talking about all the crazy shit that we already talked yeah. about on the oh, podcast. Wow. And so we just realized, why haven't we been best friends this whole time? And <laughs> <laughs> so uh, pretty soon after that, I we've been listening to podcasts. She actually got me into podcasts. And after listening to two or three and then becoming my favorite ones, I was like, why don't we just make one? I mean, we're, we're pretty good at nonstop talking, as you know, and uh, <laughs> we can just make one about ghosts and she's really into true crime. So we just put our two interests together. That's amazing. That is such a great story. Yeah, the, the, the idea for that is awesome to be able to, to split it and have the true crime and, and the paranormal together. So that was a I don't know if there's any other ones like that out there because I've not stumbled across it. But if, if that was an original idea, it was a, it was a perfect work of art. Oh, oh nice. That's a, we might put that on our website. It's yeah. like a, a... a review. <laughs> so how about how did the whole wine and milkshake theme come about? Um, well, I drink a lot of wine, <laughs> as you know, um, and part of. I think we originally had a different name for the podcast, uh, which was called Eerie and Theory, which we committed to and then kind of threw away after a little while. We, ent- we committed entirely to a point where we had already bought the equipment and we had made social media pages for it. And uh-huh. then the night before we began our first episode, we were talking and, and at some point one of us said, uh, and that's why we drink. And, uh-huh. and we were like, wait, is that the name of our podcast? Did we just stumble upon that? Oh my Somebody put it and we both laughed so hard and we were like, what? That's such a funny line. Maybe that'll be our tagline. And yeah. then we were like, but it's kind of works as a title. And so we completely like, we had hundreds of dollars already into this eerie and theory podcast. <laughs> and we were like, what are we doing? So we just completely changed the name. Um, and since M doesn't drink alcohol, she was like, well, I want to be a part of it, too. <laughs> so we decided to do the the versus, the wine versus milkshake. That's factor. so great. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, oh, quite a quite a uh, emotionally turbulent night. <laughs> oh, but look how it's worked out for you guys. It's just amazing. Things just fall together like they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's what we've kind of noticed. Things mm-hmm. have kind of just worked out. So it's been really good. It's been a really cool couple months. Okay. Now, you know, some people will look at you guys and say, man, how cool is it to have a podcast where you just talk about drinking and, and then, you you know, you get into the stuff you like, like true crime and, and the, uh, the paranormal part of it. But at least I, I don't know a lot about your past as far as work, work history, Christine, but M, you had a pretty cool job anyway uh, <laughs> in, in the in the movie industry with making props and stuff like that. Talk a little bit about that and some of the cool stuff you've been a part of. Uh, well, well, yeah, I have a cool job currently where I work at a prop house in LA and it's, um, basically shows and movies will come to us and say, in this episode, we have some wild prop that we need to build and we need it in the next couple of weeks. So we essentially get a bunch of work orders that say, uh, you know, here's this weird assignment and you have to build it in this amount of time. And so that's, that's the job I have. So I made some pretty <laughs> cool stuff. I made some things that people probably see all the time on TV, um, all the way down to like soda can labels and 
uh, beer bottle labels, but it goes pretty, it goes all the way up to like Marvel props and, um, things like that. So, but I got the, I got the job totally on a whim. It was just pure luck that I ended up out here and got a cool job. So. What was the uh, the show? Because I can't remember, but I, you guys talked about it on your show, so I'm, I'm assuming it's okay to still talk about. Uh, there was a show where you did a bunch of Valentine notes, but I can't remember which show. That was that was uh, for this season of It's Always Sunny, uh, and I made probably near two to three hundred Valentine's Day cards, <laughs> and I hand wrote every single one of them. I hand wrote the insides of every single one of them. Then the season came out and my friends were like, don't even, you're going to be so upset because I guess they cut out that entire scene. So oh you only see God. one card. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we drink. And that's why we drink. No, crap. I would have sent them every, all of them. And then I was like, look, you're going to take one of these damn Valentines. <laughs> you're going to cherish every moment of it for at least a month. <laughs> Those were made with love. They sure were. Oh, the, all that hard work. Oh my gosh. Well, that's part of my job. I get asked to do some pretty crazy things and then I never know if they're going to show up yeah. or not. So. But how fun though. That sounds like a great job. It is. I, I do sign a lot of NDAs, so I can't talk too much about current projects, uh-huh. but it's fun to be able to watch shows later and be like, oh yeah, I made that. And then all my friends <laughs> freak out and then like, what? So now that's watching that's TV cool. with Em is just like waiting for her to go, oh, I made that too. Oh, <laughs> see that chair? I made that. I made uh-huh. that soda. <laughs> That's so cool. I think it's funny yeah. that you can't mention like maybe a show that you might be making a soda can label for. That's you know, yeah. I, I can't tell you there's going to be a soda can label in this one that I just did. <laughs> it's, it's top it's secret. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's some things that it makes no sense at all. I just have to make like a a nurse's badge for an extra in the background of a scene that won't even make the final cut, and I can't talk about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the LA life. Oh my goodness. So what do you guys like to do? When you're when you're not podcasting or, or at work, what are some of your favorite things to do out there? Um, well, speaking for myself, I ultimately want to write for TV, so that's why I'm kind of out in LA to begin with. I'm taking a very roundabout way to get there, I guess. But so I screenwrite a lot for comedies. Um, I also like to. Oh, I do a lot of improv. That's the other thing. Thanks, Em. Em knows me better than I know myself. <laughs> so I'm doing a lot of improv now. I have an improv team out here. So I'm just trying to get as much into comedy as possible. And then the podcast has been much more, has become, I guess, a much bigger part of our lives than we even expected. Um, so that's kind of becoming something we're grounding ourselves into. And I think some opportunities might come out of that. So, yeah, you know, all sorts of fun little things. Yeah. And we we play with Gio a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, you guys are starting to pick up some sponsors. It, it looks like so that's that's positives. That's hard to do in this industry, so that's a sure sign of success when you get people wanting you to peddle their product. Heck so to yeah, speak. that's great. <laughs> oh, thank you. We just got a wine a wine app company, so I was pretty excited about. Oh that my one. god, that's perfect. <laughs> waiting for my milkshake app. Yeah, someone's <laughs> gonna come through for M. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I started to say is that the last couple seemed like they were more tailored toward Christine between either. They are. They are because we also we did a coffee app too, and I'm a tea drinker, so I was like, "Well, what, what the hell? When's my chance?" So I, uh, I I'm just what... <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, I went I went through a phase like two summers ago where I like for some reason really wanted to study every type of tea, and I wanted to what? It was the weirdest experience of my life. But I had I 
I was just drinking a lot of tea and I was like, I should know about this in case someone ever asks me about tea, you know, which has happened by the way. Well, yeah, and, that's so weird because there are just hundreds and hundreds of different kind of tea. So I wouldn't have a clue. I'm just like, yeah. Hey, I get my tea at Thornton's. I'm good. I don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> basically i know enough to make an app about tea so i can sponsor us for oh cool basically i'm gonna start asking you questions about tea to quiz you in every episode from now on yeah we'll see how it goes <laughs> so let's talk about the show a little bit you guys obviously you, you do a, a paranormal story and a true crime story mm-hmm. tell me a little bit i'll get both of you to answer this which story that you've told so far because we're 19 episodes in as of today mm-hmm what story have you told each of you that is your favorite or that's kind of stood out as, as something that was, you know, a little ahead of, of the other stories you told? Uh, well, for the paranormal stories, I really liked uh, – actually, I liked my first one the most. It was the Winchester Mystery House. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that one the most first because I've actually been there. So I was able to not only have seen how crazy it is but – I actually knew what I was talking about a little better because I'd gone on a real tour of it. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm really into weird, quirky roadside attractions, too. So that's my own personal interest. And when it came to a haunted house that was also like the size of like 16 football fields and it was a maze <laughs> and yeah. a bunch of crazy people were in there. It, that was something I really liked. Um, but I think I think I've liked all of the ones that we've done. But I think because it was our first, it it's really special because we didn't know how we, if it was going to be the only one we ever told if the show didn't go well. So, <laughs> I, I tried really hard on it. So I think that was for the sake of research it, that one, I put the most effort into. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think I, it's hard for me to pick one. Um, I guess there are a couple that I really was passionate about. Um, maybe just because, I knew about them before, same sort of thing. Um, obviously, I was not involved in any of these. Like, you were involved with this paranormal one right. because, fortunately, I was not murdered. Yeah. Murdered. Um, <laughs> but I guess I'm trying to think. Some of the ones – I really like the the twists, the ones with twists, and I think it's more fun for me to tell those because – and lately I've been trying to find stories that Em might not know about or might not know some details so I can tell it in a more – like genuine so you know a more surprising and genuine way um so like the elisa lamb story um who was found in the water tank and kind of the mystery behind that so it was fun to take the twists and turns plus it's just extremely disturbing um so the ones that kind of struck a chord with me probably were that one and then um the two girls uh lisanne froon and her friend who went missing in panama i guess the unsolved mysteries maybe maybe those are my my favorites that yeah. seems to be the running trend do you find uh and it you it might be a little harder because i don't know how much that you kind of cross-reference on this stuff but do you find the true crime stuff is a little harder to come up with a great story or a story that's as interesting as the paranormal stuff or do you you know do you guys go back and forth on some of this stuff to say man i like this a whole lot better than this as far as researching it yeah that's interesting i guess i haven't really thought about it i think it's I think it, it actually comes more not just being interesting, but uh, on how easy and accessible the stories are to find. Yeah. I think I think her stories are more interesting because everyone knows that they're they're true. There's mm-hmm. proof of them. And a lot of my stories, I wonder how many skeptics are listening to us, and I wonder if they just think I'm spewing bullshit. 
Sure. And you want to present and you know, every side to it. So it's hard to, and it's harder. It's, there's much more murder in the world than there are ghost stories. So there are a lot of times where I, I, I don't like lose any sleep about it, but I do wonder, I'm like, will I run out of ghost stories? Am I going to be the reason that we end? So, <laughs> I, yeah. You're so funny. Well, I, w- I would think for every one of these murder stories, there's probably some ghost hanging around there know, afterwards. Seriously. So you should go just pick one, pick them up as you go. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, if there's a murder, then I'm sure there's a ghost not far behind. So. Well, the, the re- I, I, well, I'm also the the person who absolutely believes there's always a ghost. As soon as someone's dead, there's a ghost there. Oh. And so <laughs> as, as soon as there's a murder, I'm just waiting for someone to report a haunting, but that doesn't happen as often as I'd like it to. Yeah. I think the, I guess the unique challenge on my end, like I totally agree that hers are harder to kind of research and present, um, in a certain way, but which I'm sure guys, you guys understand obviously being a paranormal show. Um, but I guess the hard part on my end is that there are so many different directions you can take true crime from kidnapping to murder to then there are like, you know, more disturbing rape stories. And I try to stay away some I don't like to touch. Yeah, There's some we agree that we're not going to talk about. Yeah, because it's just too much. And it's not something that I think I can. Well, also, it, I'm going to jump in. I think it's there's a certain level of political correctness and finding a way to be polite sure. in the stories, because I mean, our whole thing is that we're trying to make murder fun when really it's like, it's the one thing you shouldn't really be trying to make jokes of. Right. And so there are certain ones that we've talked about where they're mainly um, sexual abusers. And we just agree, like it it should not be either of our responsibilities to give them airtime or to try and make that a funny thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and some just hit me too hard to the point where they're just personally, I don't want to talk about them on air or make Mm it, you know, fun. You know, so I, it's kind of you walk a fine line and then I have people who comment like, Oh, well you're the stories you do are too common. Like we all know about HH Holmes. We all know, like you find more obscure stories and then other people want to hear our take on big serial killers. So you kind of have to figure out. We just end up doing what we want. Yeah, We just just do whatever we want. (laughs) I I guess the reason that I'd even ask the question is we're doing some now bonus episodes for Patreon. And part of the bonus is we're going to do some true crime stuff. And kind cool. of and mix it in, but as uh, you know, I'm finding it that's not my area of expertise. So I'm like, okay, is this story good? Is this going to be too long? Sure. What's and I'm having to read the whole thing because I I don't want to do the same thing that everybody's already done. And that's like you said, there's part. there's a bunch of them out there, but yeah, I, I've struggled with you know I can come up with the paranormal stories a whole lot easier than I can a true crime. So right, 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 and I think that's why we work so well too. Is that it just was automatically, you know, her doing paranormal and I was doing crime and there was not a question because it just fit our personalities better. And, and I mean, they were things like, I, I don't think you have experience in killing people, but I had experience in, I was a paranormal investigator throughout college. So I just immediately had that interest and right. it just, it were literally as soon as we decided that we were going to be friends and we started hanging out together, that was just the first thing we ever started talking about. So <laughs> We actually recently realized we don't know the basics about each other too well. We we just know like our most like depraved favorite stories. Oh like, yeah, it's just very it's a weird friendship to start backwards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're kind of discovering each other. What our favorite colors are, what our middle names are. We didn't really know any of the basics when we started. But I can tell you her favorite uh, mass murderers. I guess sure, so. exactly. So yeah. it's kind of an interesting start. Yeah, that's awesome, though. Hey, I, I heard something on the show today. For those, for those who haven't heard it, uh, you told a uh, Jim Jones joke. Yeah. But, 
tell that tell that joke again because I thought it was really funny. Sorry, someone just came towards me. And was going to go to the door. Um, so the joke was it was why don't people tell jokes about the Reverend Jim Jones more often? Because the punchline is too long. <laughs> <laughs> That is amazing. I'm like a huge nerd for puns, so that and it's it's twisted, but it's kind of you know it's not too dark, I guess. So oh God, I thought that, that was hilarious. really fun. I think Em and her friend looked at me like, okay, <laughs> but, but I I thoroughly enjoyed that joke. I, yeah, I, was I was sitting in the car listening. I was I was at Walmart getting ready to run inside, and and you were getting ready to tell it. And I'm like, okay, I got to hear this, and I just sit there and laugh <laughs> by myself. <laughs> so sad because I laughed the loudest out of everyone and it was the joke I was telling. So I don't know what that is about me, but, but yeah, so I don't know. That was we awesome. try to, we try to include, you know, people write in and we try to include as much as we can, but I thought that one was a pretty, pretty solid little nugget. <laughs> so is, is M back with us? I am back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Em, tell us a little bit about the, I know you've got some investigating in your background. Tell us a little bit about that and your experiences you've had there. Um, so I had had a lot of experiences ahead of time. So usually, uh, I guess in that field, it's usually actually a bunch of skeptics who are very scientifically driven and think very logically. And their whole job is not to actually find spirits, but to debunk whatever the creeks and bumps in your house are. And so I came on board and I was the black sheep. And every time there was like a gust of wind, I was like, it's a ghost. <laughs> and they didn't really like me too much in the beginning. <laughs> I definitely looked like a rookie. And uh, I did that all through college where if we had, um, we first we started out doing tours and then we ended up doing uh, paranormal tours in the colonial Virginia area. So Williamsburg, Yorktown, Jamestown. And uh, we ended up bringing equipment with us where we started being able to use all sorts of like millimeters and K2s and thermal imagers. And we would try to debunk whatever was going on in the house. But there was just some stuff that you can't, like there's just some things you can't deny. And even the people I was with who had PhDs in astrophysics and were like totally like not believers, even they can't explain some of the stuff that we saw. It's just a lot of doors slamming in your face or people getting touched or, um, we had, there was a lot of times where we got a lot of reads from different sorts of meters that definitely suggested something was there when there shouldn't have been anything. Um, we actually had mediums on, go on tours and personal investigations with us and they got some pretty interesting information. Uh, my, my favorite thing, I think if I had to pick a story, it's more of an experience I had where I had to teach a ghost what the internet is, which, (laughs) which, I think Tracy's a ghost. <laughs> like, how do you how do you teach anyone what the internet is who yeah. was around in the 1600s? Like, there's no frame of reference whatsoever. No. So, um, basically, we we were on a. That's Geo in the background. He's really excited about the internet. Um, <laughs> so we, I, we were on a tobacco plantation, and we were trying to get the spirit of the main tobacco farmer to talk to us. And so we decided to open up Google and like put a bunch of pictures of random items, like a chair or like a tree. And we were like, if you see anything, then make all the sensors in the room light up. And so we went through some 
baseline images and then we got to a tobacco pipe and the table moved oh. on its own. Like it just it like something like it was like so strong that not even the, the meters the meters went off, but then like the table entirely shifted on its own. We weren't even near the table. He was like, My pipe <laughs> like, that's mine. I've been looking all over for that damn thing. Yeah, maybe it was maybe it was having a nicotine fit. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we realized that um there was also a, a room in a building with children who were I think actually scared of the phones Aww. because we eventually started getting we were doing yes and no readings with them and we were saying are you you know how come you don't come out every now and then and we realized that we were getting less uh hits on our meters when we were texting each other between different houses giving Aww. each other updates we we're like are you afraid of these machines that we have with us and all the readers started saying yes oh my god so i had to describe phones to them so they wouldn't be scared anymore it ended up working we started getting a lot more feedback oh god, <laughs> it was that very is weird amazing that is so weird yeah so, so that's a little that. that's a little winded of a story but it's it's worth mentioning oh my gosh yeah yes. i'll probably cut very little of it out but uh <laughs> that was a good story that is oh my gosh i wish i was there that would have been so cool so, is very interesting. I think I'm the only person on earth who's had to explain a phone to a ghost. Oh my so. gosh, I'm sure you're the, like, yeah, the only person so ever. Do you still do any investigating at all, or have you hung that up? Listen, I'm trying to talk her into taking me. Uh, Christine has done anything and everything to try to get me to take her on a tour. But I, my only issue is I don't know anywhere out here. If we were in Virginia, I could take her to 20 places today, and she would get her fix. But <laughs> I don't know anyone out here who would be willing to let us do a proper investigation. It would be more wandering around in a yard, which I think I could go to jail for. So yeah. <laughs> we're working on it. But she's a rookie. You could get by with it and just make stuff up. She wouldn't know any different probably. Oh yeah. I could be like, Oh, there's a ghost right behind you, Christine. That is really true. You could just like <laughs> flash a light at me and I'd probably believe you. So. I mean, this is the same person that, you know, had to, you know, fall asleep during a scary movie. So she wouldn't have to watch <laughs> yeah. it. That girl, she didn't even last three minutes she was out cold and i was like this is bullshit i saw at least i pretended i pretended <laughs> i yelled every now and then to pretend like i was scared but i was really really sleepy. i got her i got the brother with it though so that's all that matters oh my god i can totally see you doing that seriously i can oh yeah I can just see it that's so funny i saw the opening scene and i went nope goodbye <laughs> Em said she would wake up and just start making comments about the lighting and stuff. Just yeah. to make sure to act like she saw it. She, she was seriously. I and we were we were sharing like the same futon that night. So like I'm right next to her and I can see her asleep. And every now and then we'd be watching. Like at a very non-important scene, she'd be like, "Wow, that's crazy." And I'm like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I thought it was really convincing. <laughs> she woke up the next day, still not telling us she fell asleep. She thought she got away with it. And we were like, "No, you fell asleep." <laughs> oh my god! <sighs> All right, I'm, I've got to ask this question. Okay. When you tell a story, do you judge how good the story is by how many gasps you get, Christine? <laughs> do more i i i I usually um so what i try to do when i do my research is i'll do all the history and then the last section will be all of the paranormal Mm -hmm. evidence that there is and i try to rank it from least scary to scariest that way i can i try to gauge what the loudest gas will be for the end (laughs) and sometimes it's the little things that freak her out so i just it's honestly a toss-up at this point but no matter what i can always guarantee there's going to be some sort of vocal expression (laughs) yeah like you, you know. Yeah. 
I think on I think on y'all's website you should have a gasp meter. Oh, that, yeah. way, that way, every show you can judge. You can just have somebody keep up with how many gasp were in each show. Oh my God. We've had people tell us that they would pay like a twenty dollar Patreon fee if we gave a gasp text tone, like yeah. a ringtone. Ring oh my gosh, that is great. Well, we oh, yeah. I didn't notice I did that, and then somebody started commenting, and everyone said, "Yeah, yeah, you definitely do that." Oh and yeah, guess, we look forward to your gasp. Oh good. <laughs> well, I tried for like two episodes to like tone it down, and it, yeah. You know, I also, I for some reason, people are much more shy about this, but I get personal messages, not instead of tweets, about my laugh. Uh, a, a lot of people will mention that I have like the weirdest, like you never know what kind of laugh is going to come out of me. Yeah. I have like ten different laughs, a mixed bag, and so uh, people will write to me and be like, "I love your laugh," and I'm like, "Then why don't you tweet it? Why does Christine get all the attention? I don't understand." <laughs> I guess yeah. that that is going to be the question because it's went back and forth. Which one of you really is the hot one? What? Me. I think it's Gio. It's Gio. It's, it's been Gio all along, I think. <laughs> no, I, I think, uh, I think, okay, I think on the, I think I'm like the obviously hot one. But here's the thing. I think Christine's the back behind the stage hot one. Okay. Because she does everything for this show. Like when I talk about it on the show that I just show up to record, I'm not entirely lying. Like she does it all. No. Like, she, she doesn't give herself enough credit. But I think, like, if it weren't for her, we wouldn't have a show. So Aww. I think you could, you should be the hot one. I just think I take the credit. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, good. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds a little familiar, don't it, babe? Yes, it does. Because <laughs> I, 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 I never have a clue what the show's about, like, ever. Yeah, and that's so, hot. Huh? It works. I yeah, guess. I just kind of, I'm just shiny and dumb and show up, but Christine wears the pants, and that's, that's <laughs> what it leads to. <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm not going to take up much more of your time. I know y'all got busy lives. You got a lot of things going on right now. And I want to say congrats to the mm-hmm. show taking off like it has. I couldn't be more proud of you, you ladies. Yeah, happy for you guys. Oh, thank you guys so much. You were there in the beginning and really helped us yeah, out. You're so. the first people to ever give us advice. So we definitely uh, attribute are doing so well because of you guys. Yeah, for sure. You've definitely been looking out for us. That's nice, but I can guarantee you, you've earned everything you got on your own. With or without us, you would have got where you're at. So we appreciate you saying that, but you got to take the credit where the credit is due, and it it belongs on your shoulders. Well, thank you so much. And we are so excited about your guys' podcast taking off now, too, with Jim Harold coming on. Oh, that's officially my... The, the the greatest thing to ever happen on Jim Harold was you telling a story. We were so like, excited. <laughs> it was like worlds colliding. It was the greatest. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. It was yeah, it was something I was excited about too because you know basically a year ago these were shows that we were listening to or I was listening right. to and and I was like man these guys are awesome and then I've been able to interview after we, after I get through with Jim I've been able to interview almost everybody that I listen to. That's incredible. And I. I I mean, I remember a year ago, I was listening to Jim Harold, and I was like, I would give anything to be on his show. And then I was on his show, and I was like, okay, well, I can die now. And then so. you followed us on Twitter, and I was like, well, that's done. We're done with the podcast. That's all I want out of any of this, and uh, I'm happy. And, it, and it's funny, because this actually intertwines. The only reason that I was on the show is because you were on the show. Oh, interesting. I had, we have a mutual listener by the name of Jackie Getz, and she sent me a message, and she said, I'm listening to M." on Jim Harold's campfire. So I immediately said, well, I'm going to, I said, I said, well, I'm going to get, I said, I'm going to have an interview book with him by the end of the day. And by the, and by the end of the day, I had it set up to be on his show and and had an interview set up. Cocky much. (laughs) 
that's the whole podcast world. I feel like everyone ends up helping you out. That's awesome. Well, no, well, then I'm honored. So thank you. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really hadn't even thought that it was even going to be an option because I didn't know that I listened, but not enough to to have heard any other podcasters on there. So when I mm-hmm. when I found out you were on there and had a chance to plug your show and everything, I thought, man, right. that that you couldn't ask for a better opportunity. So oh, it was great. Yeah, it was. It was. I called Christine right literally right away i was losing my mind i was so excited she was like i blacked out everything i said so i don't really know what. i was like when you hear it i'll also be hearing it for the first time <laughs> i mean he didn't name the show after you or air it two days after it recorded but you know I, i'm sure you're excited oh, no i guess, I guess everywhere huh there's... he's such a turd <laughs> It's okay. Say, you can have it. You can have it. I'm, it's only my fault that you were even on the show. So. That's right. That's right. I still, look, and right here in front of and, and right here in front of everybody, I gave you full credit. <laughs> oh, thank you. So oh. tell us, guys. We know. Tell everybody listening who I can't imagine haven't listened already. Tell them how to get a hold of you guys. How to listen. Um, websites. Anything you've got for sale. Let's get the ball rolling and help the show uh, grow even more. Yeah, we'd love to get some new people on board. Um, our website is and that's why we drink.com. Um, and that'll link you to pretty much everything, but our social media handle is ATWWD Podcasts. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, if you want to email us, we do listener episodes every month. So if you have a story, either paranormal or crime, uh, you can email us at and that's why we drink at gmail.com. And we're on iTunes, Stitcher, all the good stuff. Yep, probably where you guys are, where they find you guys. <laughs> That's the dumpster behind Walmart. That's where they yeah. usually find us. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's the, actually the exact same one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they throw good canned goods out there. Just thin it for Pete's sake. I know. I know. You just gotta you gotta be a little savvy and crack it on open. Crack, <laughs> crack into it, well, guys. Yeah. We, we wish you continued success in everything you do. And uh, we couldn't be happier to see the success, and, and we're super happy that you guys came on the show. Yes, I so haven't excited. been this excited about a guest since we started the thing. So. Yeah, me too. Oh, well, actually, you're our you're our first. We're guesting for you on this yeah. is the first time. Yep, this is our first guest appearance on another podcast. So we're honored no. that it's 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 a full circle. You were the first people to give us advice, and you're the first people to guest us. So Aww. maybe you're actually the only ones who listen. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Well, I think what it is, you know how it is when you're the hot girls, the guys are just afraid to kind of approach, and that's probably what it's been with other podcasts. We're so. really intimidating. Yeah, especially to the boys. They're my favorite. So. <laughs> <laughs> the boys. Well, those milkshakes make them come to the yard. You know how it goes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's really scary. For it's very scary for me. I throw them back. Well, guys, we, we love you. Looking forward to many, many more episodes. And uh, like I said, hopefully this takes off for even something bigger and better for you guys. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We are so excited to see where you guys are headed to. Oh, thank you. See you guys later. Sounds thank you. Good. Bye, guys.